You're listening to Car Free Midwest. We're a podcast based in Omaha, Nebraska, exploring the stories, barriers, and joys of getting around without a car. Our goal is to build a community around more transportation equity and less car dependency. I'm Sarah Johnson. And I'm Joshua LaBure. And And this this is is Car Free Midwest. West. Mid-South. We are talking with some folks from Bike Grid Now out of Chicago. So we've got Ronnie and Sammy with us today. Um, I think that if you each just want to kind of do a brief intro of yourselves and um, then you can like rock, paper, scissors, who who wants to explain to us what your organization is. Ronnie, you want to start? Thanks so much for having us. Ronnie Islam, uh, organizer with Chicago Bike Grid Now. Uh I joined the org at our first bike jam. So this was back in like early June. Um, But yeah, I've been in Chicago for like two and a half years and have been biking the entire time uh, that I've been in Chicago, super passionate about public transit, biking infrastructure, and making sure we make our cities as equitable and livable as possible. Yeah, um, I'm Samantha Schneider. Um, everyone calls me Sammy, so we can be Sammy from here on out. Um, I grew up in the Chicago area in a suburb called Skokie, Illinois, um, and I always dreamed of living downtown and taking the train to work every day, and now I live in the city and I bike to work every day. Um, And so I've been here in the city since 2018 after I graduated from college and have been cycling as my main form of commuting ever since once I realized that it was the fastest way to get around um, most of the time. So that's how I started biking. And then I got involved in um, CBGN, which is Chicago Bike Grid now, um, in like late June, early July. Um, saw them posting on Twitter, uh, and had to get myself to a jam and then met Ronnie and everybody else and fell in love with it. So uh, I can let Ronnie kind of speak more to what it is, uh, if that's okay. Perfect. So, uh, Chicago Bike Grid Now is an activist organization, um, that's calling for a bike grid in Chicago and the bike grid is essentially 10% of Chicago streets, so that's about 450 miles out of the 4,500 miles of streets that we have um, that are bike prioritized and have 10 mile per hour speed limits for cars. And it's also on mostly residential streets, so not arterials, um, none of those like really wide streets. These are like the slow residential streets um, that are in everyone's uh, communities and neighborhoods. And what being bike prioritized means is having signs that mark the bike priority, allowing cyclists to travel side by side, which is something you can actually get a $25 ticket from the police for doing. Um, if you don't, if you don't do like the single file biking and all the way to the right of the street, you could get a fine for that. Um, so no more of that, uh, allow cyclists to ride in both directions on streets and, um, have street designs that reflect that 10 mile power speed limit that we want. So that's with planters, temporary barriers, chicanes, curves, pinch points, bump outs, speed humps, whatever it takes um, to to get folks to slow down. I love the idea of that so much. Um, And actually, when I'm hearing lane miles of Chicago, it's actually 
not, you know, population wise, but lane miles wise, similar to Omaha. Um, so this is kind of just like, we have a lot of folks in Omaha. That's where we're out of. Um, but that's a, a lovely goal. And I, I really just like, uh, after COVID happened, that was when a lot of us really got interested in street calming and like how a lot of communities around the globe were doing really, um, innovative things. I'm just kind of wondering, is that, was that any of the inspiration or like, why did y'all kick off? And it looks like from my little bit of research I've done, uh, June, 2022, what was the impetus then? I was a lot of questions in one, but I'm just really excited to talk to you about all of it. So yeah. Shoot. Uh, so I'm like trying to, yeah. So, so Chicago did something after the pandemic had started, they had a shared streets program where they had like temporary, like barriers and things up to like try to slow down car traffic and give priority to pedestrians and cyclists. Um, they ended up axing all those shared streets before the end of the program was supposed to be. Um, and then I just saw a tweet today about survey results from that shared streets program. And 66% of people wanted to see more shared streets. Do you know why they hacked it then? And I mean, obviously, it seems like it was popular, but the powers that be decided it was not. Uh, I think it was mostly like a very loud and vocal minority. And I'm sure Sammy feels this. I mean, we all feel this, right? It's like when we bike, um, it's just like a few people that have an issue with um, inconveniencing drivers, even though if you had really robust bike infrastructure, you can create really pleasant driving conditions by like reducing traffic and things like that. But anyway, uh, I think it was just like a loud and vocal minority um and the the guy who came up with this bike grid idea and the bike jam nate who's also an organizer um i'm not actually really sure why he came up with the idea when he did so that's a good question for us to take back to him um i know in the beginning of the summer there were a lot of cyclist deaths um we were seeing in the city and i i felt that i started seeing all this pop up when that was going on, there were specifically two toddlers who were killed in like one week. Um, and there was a big protest in the beginning of the summer um, in early June. And I think the jams had already started going at that point um, that I attended. And that's kind of where I started connecting with these people. Um, but yeah, I think there was just more. We're seeing more and more every year since the pandemic started. I've noticed an increase in uh feeling unsafe on the streets. So uh, I think that has a lot to do with it too. Yeah. So interestingly enough, our first bike jam was actually before the first like high profile uh, cyclist death in Chicago of the summer, um, which is a really like terrible and grim thing to like, like I feel like everyone remembers that one that kicked, like kicked off this like huge wave of like direct action in the city. Um, but we actually started before that. And I remember a reporter at one of our bike jams in front of city council, city hall during one of the city council meetings asked like, oh, is this in response to uh, the two toddlers who were killed? And our response was no. It, this is a response to the systemic failings of a city, of Department of Transportation, of auto manufacturers. It's the whole system. And that's, that's what we're responding to. And these deaths that could have been totally prevented are a tragic outcome of that same exact system. We are not reactionary. We're not reacting to these deaths that happen. We often do like um, 
like specific rides because of deaths that do happen, but the bike grid transcends all of that. It's it, it's a proactive vision for for something that we really want in the city, not something that's like really reactionary. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's unfortunately there would be plenty of opportunities for reactionary stuff. So yeah, the sad to hear about toddlers all of it obviously like you're saying systemic failures galore uh and these ones are definitely deadly like so many unfortunately um i was wondering again as my my snooping around this afternoon what is the chicago department of community collaboration because that sounds like something that might be interesting i mean i've never heard of such a thing in omaha um but what what is that and what are your feelings about it do you know what it is sammy is that the uh, the meeting that we had? That one meeting? <laughs> no, no, no. So you're thinking about the mobility collaborative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So the DOCC was actually something that Nate had just like come up with off like the top of his head. Um, so it's not an official like city department or anything. Um, but I think his thought there was just like creating a space for like people to come up with ideas and just like different things that we can do to like take back our streets kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I think that that's kind of where that's he awesome. kind of like started up. That's so funny. Cause I feel like, you know, I'm clicking some of the things on the bike grid now.org, which by the way, if you want to find out more about these folks, that is way one way to do it. Um, and yeah, I just was like, huh, interesting. The department of community collaboration. That sounds delightful. Anyway. Okay. Whoever this Nate person is high five, Nate, I like your style. Um, Okay, so World Car Free Day is coming up, and it sounds like there's some kind of fun um, event that y'all have going on. I have so many questions for you, but we are going to be, I think, putting this out into the world on Thursday. Um, And so I just was wondering if you wanted to talk a little bit about that. So it's kind of complicated to explain. So I think there's a couple layers um, that we should explain. We do weekly bike jams, which was the, the major... Um, thing that pulled me in and the first thing that I ever attended. Um, but basically every week on Wednesday, um, either before work or after work, we pick a different neighborhood, different route, um, have every everyone uh, come together, plan, uh, find partners, usually bike shops or community, um, other community organizations in that neighborhood. Um, and we will do a bike jam. So that's typically around four miles, three and a half miles. And we bike as slow as we possibly can um, along the route. Um, And obviously a lot of cars get very angry with us um, and we cheer when they honk. Um, And it's, it's just a way to actually get out there on the streets and promote the grid through activism instead of advocacy on Twitter. Um, and we've gotten a lot of people to come out to these. I think um, the one that we just had in Lakeview had over 100 people, um, which is pretty amazing. Um, so that's one aspect of World Car Free Day. Um, we're going to be circling around in the loop, which is Chicago's downtown financial district, um, around a two block uh radius and there's going to be a series of buses that are taking people there from various neighborhoods so that's another thing we've started doing once a week um, are these bike buses um, which are a great way to commute to the loop um, for work and we do them every Wednesday morning um, and people join at various stops Um, and these are more of a 
They are also a form of protest. Um, anytime, like Ronnie explained earlier, anytime we're biking in the middle of the street, not single file, um, we are subject to a $25 fine. But this is a more fun version, trying to get different groups of people involved. Um, and so there's going to be buses. How many buses do we have, Ronnie? Six. <laughs> Six buses coming from all different directions, um, going to the loop jam. Once everyone's there, we'll do a little jam all together. Um, so it should be a good time. Yeah. How many people are involved? Because weekly bike jams and weekly bike buses, is that what I'm understanding? Wednesdays are the day. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Wednesday is a uh, bike grid now day. Um, so right now we do one jam a week. Um, so that's Wednesday. And then we do two bike buses currently. Uh, into the loop in the morning and not only do we do two bike buses but they actually converge so then like at the last leg of the bike bus we've got the two bike buses that have now converged so like way to make something complicated even more complicated right um so when we started bike grid now the first bike jam early june was nine people after that jam ended we had like four or five core organizers um a couple weeks ago we had 15 organizers helping out with everything from bike jam planning, bike bus planning. We do a lot of like public comment at city council committee meetings, like that kind of thing as well. Um, and now as of today, we have 40 folks helping with all the organizing. So we've grown awesome. quite a lot. Yeah, no kidding. That sounds sustainable. Growing, growing, growing. That's right. Um, this city council situation y'all have, how does how does that look? I used to always go to city council at Omaha and just like, I don't even go anymore. I feel like it's physically destructive to my well-being. Uh, but I can't not watch. We still watch the live stream on Tuesdays. Um, but have you, have you seen like any actual response from the powers that be politically to your actions? Short answer is yes, in two different ways. Um, one way is we've actually had uh, a couple like, sitting alder people join our bike jams uh alder people tend to fall into two categories when it comes to inviting them to bike jams one they call the cops on us or two they actually like show up um and either ride with us or like talk with us beforehand and we've actually built some really good relationships with some alders in chicago um which came in handy for like one of these uh some alders wanted to increase the threshold for speed camera uh, ticketing, um, and, and we were able to leverage some of our relationships to to chat with alders. And then the second piece, um, and I'll let Sammy talk a bit more about this, is working with candidates for alder and candidates for mayor. Um, and I'll let Sammy talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so I actually we recently planned a bike jam with someone who's running for alderman in our 30th ward. Um, and so we got together with him, planned a route um, in his ward. He invited some community members. We invited our uh, jammers. And um, we had a little listening session afterwards, which was very cool, where people could just ask questions, like, what are you going to do about Belmont really needs some uh, traffic calming measures, because that's how a lot of us got to the jam. We noticed a lot of things um, within the ward that could use some work. And it was very cool to um, speak to him directly about what he wants to do. And um, he was very open to feedback from us as well. Um, we also, I think this kind of kickstarted with Cam Buckner, who is a mayoral candidate um, for 
Chicago. Um, our elections are in February this year, so or next year. There's no February this year, um, but they're in February 2023. Um, and he has been really outspoken on bike infrastructure in Chicago. So we invited him to a jam. He came. He did a listening session as well. Um, so we're definitely being heard by some high up people. Uh, and you know, I think what we want to do, and we're not going to like pick candidates um, for people here, but I know Ronnie's kind of working on something um, that could maybe grade candidates, um, you know, how supportive of a bike grid is this candidate? And that's, that's something that's actively in the works right now. Yeah. So it's a kind of twofold. Uh, we've got an organizer, Abby, she's, well, I'm collecting, I'm kind of like the data person in the org. Uh, that's what I do for capitalism. So it, it lends well to, to, to the community activism stuff as well. Um, so pulling all the, the vote data on sitting alders, and then she's going to be analyzing that vote data and then coming up with like a grade essentially as to like, is this alder safe streets friendly or not safe streets friendly? Um, and then the second piece is, we're building a uh, bike grid now endorsement platform. And it's like, I think like five or six bullet points of if you're running for alder or mayor, you need to support raising Illinois state code or lowering, sorry, lowering the minimum uh, speed limit allowed in the state of Illinois. You need to support the minimum allowable speed limit in the city of Chicago. You need to fund and endorse a bill that allows like CDOT to build a bike grid um, and then hold CDOT accountable for it. There's a couple points um, in building that platform essentially so candidates can endorse us. We're not going to endorse a candidate, but we want them to endorse us essentially. Um, that way, we can make the bike grid basically something that candidates need to include in their platform. And then they can start fighting with each other on getting a better bike grid. It's like, why only 450 miles? We can make it more. And then um, doing that kind of thing. I love it. That sounds very smart. Nice, uh, nice ideas galore. I'm wondering, is there another organization in Chicago that's doing similar work? I feel like it's such a big city. I wouldn't be surprised if there are other like bike walk friendly i mean obviously like streets blog and stuff like that um what how do you feel like you fit in and or collaborate with other orgs doing similar stuff we've worked with a couple orgs like better street chicago um active transportation alliance um the nice thing about the bike grid now effort is it's super focused um, we don't want to exist in like two years. We want the bike grid now to have been built by like May 2024 is kind of like our target kind of thing. And then we just want to like ride our bikes for fun on the bike grid. Um, these other orgs, their their breadth is a little bit wider. They've got a lot more um, kind of like under their belt. I know like Better Street Chicago is, you know, fighting against um, the... Dusable Lakeshore Drive reconstruction project where they want to just like reconstruct a highway that's along one of the world's most beautiful lakefronts. Uh, but, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but we work closely with them and then we're starting to do a bit of like coalition building as well within Chicago. Um, but we've kind of got our niche. We've got our little little spot and we, we feel quite happy with where we're at. Yeah, totally. And hyper-focused actually makes it probably doable because I feel like, so Mode Shift Omaha is a transportation mobility equity nonprofit that I helped start in Omaha 
about 11, 12 years ago. Uh, they're one of the sponsors of our show. And it's who sometimes it's like there are so many things that that org is trying to do. It's like there's a bike team and a walk team and a transit team and a missing middle housing team. And it's just like, ugh, I burn out and you know, I'm not doing that anymore. Just talking about it. Um, but that's, I really appreciate the the singular focus that's probably going to make you all very successful. Um, so I guess, you know, we talked a little bit about a lot of bike grid stuff. I'm just kind of wondering, we like to talk more about just you as human beings, maybe without cars. What does that look like? I know Ronnie would, before we hit record, you were talking about how you kind of are taking a little time away from Chicago. Can you talk a, a little bit about that and what your experience uh, maybe is like comparatively on a bike? Yeah. Um, so I used to work for United Airlines and I had travel benefits uh, and I would like fly quite, quite often. Um, I remember it's just like the more I traveled, I realized there's like so many different kinds of cities out there in the world um, and people get around in such different ways than what I was used to. Like I grew up in a mid-sized or smaller city in the Northeast Corridor, but my parents had cars. I got around mostly by car growing up. Um, biking was kind of like this like juvenile thing that people did, like you do as a kid and then you stop doing it once you get your like permit or whatever. Um, but then like going to Istanbul, going to Amsterdam, um, going to Lima, Peru, just seeing like how people get around and all these other places in the world made me realize that uh, I wanted to see more of the world. And then recently, you know, earlier this summer, when um, we saw a big spike in cyclists being killed, I was starting to get really like fed up with being in Chicago, like really fed up. And uh, I wanted to, to travel and stuff. And then my lease was up and I decided to, to uh, move down to Mexico City for a couple months. And then the plan is to go to Santiago, and then Buenos Aires for a couple months each, um, and then come back to Chicago for Chicago summer 2023. I'm curious to hear a little bit about, you know, what the infrastructure is like now for when, and your feelings about cycling in Chicago versus cycling in, you know, Mexico City right now. So I remember, so I, I went to Mexico City for like three weeks back in March. Um, and I remember one of the first things Oh, there's like so many thoughts I have on on uh, getting around Mexico City. Uh, they've got protected bike lanes on a lot of their arterial streets where there's no on-street parking. Um, they remove on-street parking and then give that space to bus-only lanes and bike-only lanes, which is like pretty awesome. And there's also like a different like cultural view, I guess, on bike lanes. In the United States, you build a bike lane, there's going to be a car in the bike lane. Like no matter what you do, there's going to be a car in the bike lane unless... No, even in Chicago, I saw a picture like today. There's a jersey, the CDOT erected a jersey barrier along a bike lane, and there was a CDOT truck blocking access to this protected bike lane. Um, right? Yeah. Literally, literally before our protected bike lane, like right when it opened, Sarah and I went to ride it for an episode, and we like recorded us talking about it and riding on it. And that day, our uh, power district, OPPD, a truck was parked in the bike lane right next to a parking spot. <laughs> yeah. But like in Mexico city, folks just like stay out of the bike lane. Like the protected bike lanes are like pretty easy, like to, to use because you don't have to worry about cars blocking it. Like Ubers and stuff will still um, like pick up passengers and drop off passengers, but they do it in the car traffic lane. 
they'll like block car traffic, but they will not park in the bike lane. And there's like signs on like parking lots and parking garages that say, please don't block the bike lane. And that like, it's just like a different like perspective, I think. Um, Mexico City traffic is horrible. Like every single mode of transportation in Mexico City is like capacity is like filled to the brim. Like they have BRT that runs like every minute in rush hour. It's like a bus pulls in, a bus pulls out, bus pulls in, bus pulls that kind of thing. And like all the buses are full. All the subways are full. The highways are like jammed up. Folks are biking. It's just like so many people. But I love that chaos. So I, I've been I've been really happy. Yeah, I flew into Mexico City a couple of years ago and it took uh, an hour, maybe a little over an hour to get to my friend's house from the airport in the Uber. And then because um, I got there like at night, uh, maybe, you know, in the evening, at nighttime, whatever. And then then when I flew out of Mexico City, I went back from my friend's house and it took me 15 minutes to get to the airport in the Uber that time. Because it was yeah. like six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I same situation. I'm staying with a couple of friends in Mexico City, and if there's no traffic, it's like a 20 minute Uber ride. If there is traffic, it's like an hour and 45 minutes. Um, but yeah, so the traffic is really, really gnarly there. Um, I didn't realize I that have... about the street parking though. Like, and now when I'm thinking in hindsight, in the neighborhood we were staying in, like. I'm thinking back on it. I'm like, yeah, there really weren't a lot of cars parked on the street. Like in a lot of, yeah, I thought that I didn't even like notice that at the time, but in retrospect, I'm like seeing it in my head again. I will say Mexico city right now is facing a really big wave of lots of like Europeans and folks from the United States who can work remotely. And a lot of folks are moving down there, raising rents for, for locals, um, and raising like prices for groceries and all sorts of things. Um, so that's been something they're also fighting. Um, so I do want to be, uh, compassionate to, to, to the, the negative effect of globalization and folks moving down there in search of cheaper living situations. I will say I moved down there because I saw that they've got subways with two minute headways. So a little different, but still, still a really big issue down there. I always just like hearing different perspectives on, it sounds like, yeah, you've already been a world traveler because of work. Maybe that's fun to explore via whatever mode of transportation you're after. Uh, so Sammy, you said you've been in Chicago for how long? What's your history with, with biking or just not driving maybe? <laughs> yeah. I mean, growing up, uh, I grew up in Skokie, Illinois, um, very close to the city. Um, but I biked recreationally, um, with my whole family, with my friends. Um, we'd go bike out to Northwestern's campus and watch the sunrise, um, and that was really how we could get around before we all had driver's licenses, you know. So uh, once I got my driver's license, I was driving um, to school. I was driving everywhere. Um, I moved down to Miami, Florida for college in 2013. And that's when I realized how much I hated ha living in a space that um, – you basically need a car to do anything. Um, I didn't have a car my entire four and a half years down there. Um, I did bring a car for my last semester um, so I could pack up all my stuff and bring it back to Chicago. Um, but it was very hard to live in Miami, Florida without a car for that long. We didn't even have Uber for the first year and a half. 
Um, so we were taking taxis um, and, you know, they didn't want to come to campus. So we'd have to like walk a mile and like get a taxi away from campus um, because there was no transit to get anywhere that we wanted to go. Um, it's actually a pretty big problem. Our Publix, which is the major grocery store um, for Florida, was across the highway, um, US-1, like major highway from campus. And our campus sat on the highway. Um, and there were a lot of um, deaths of pedestrians trying to cross the highway. Um, eventually, they created a pedestrian bridge. My last year, I was down there. But in general, like, it was a really rough experience. I would go to the beach and it would take me an hour and a half on three different buses. Um, so um, I could not wait to move back to Chicago. Um, I did not want to ever live in a car-centered space ever again in my life. Um, moved back here. I studied architecture and got a minor in urban studies, which is like urban planning adjacent. So I've always had um, a passion for that. And so I moved back. I took my dad's old bike and started biking to work um, for my first bike to work week. And that's how I got into it. I am competitive. Um, <laughs> so I won an award for bike to work week. Uh, my first time bike commuting in the city, went down some streets I probably would never bike down in my life now um, because I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and that's how I got involved in biking here. I I got fed up waiting for the CTA. There's been a lot of problems with our public transportation, especially since the pandemic, um, not arriving, um, even though it says it's going to come on the tracker. Um, you get a little impatient and you realize, you know, I can leave whenever I want. I know exactly when I'm going to show up. I'm not going to get stuck in traffic. I can roll around that. Um, and you can get anywhere you want to go within an, a reasonable amount of time. Um, and so for me, it really changed everything. And then I also like I had knee surgery a couple of years ago and I was big into like running and long walks and I biking has been so much better for my joints than running or anything and it's been keeping me physically happy so yeah I uh I'll never give it up hopefully. <laughs> that's excellent. Cool. And you said that you just happened to stumble upon a bike jam that's how you got involved with uh, the the I saw it on Twitter. You saw it on Twitter. Okay, right. Good. <laughs> That's where that's where I found you too. So this is this is perfect. Awesome. I'll say one thing quick that I found on that hilarious Department of Community Collaboration. Uh it said something about helping City Hall find its courage. And I just really <laughs> liked that. Cuz that's I feel like so many times the conversations were, you know, like cities are not all unique. We all have a lot of the similar problems and it's like so many times we just need City Hall to find its courage. So I just wanted to say that out loud cuz I thought that was a a good way to put it. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's yeah, the did. biggest problem facing Omaha is that our city council has no courage at all. And our city hall, yeah, it's kind of pathetic over it, here. <laughs> it's it's really tough, right? Because like uh, a lot of constituent, the loudest constituents often are the ones who don't want their parking to go away. Um, they don't want to lose space for, I don't know, they're driving or make it driving any more inconvenient for them. Uh, we've been trying lots of different tactics in trying to, get alders to to you know find their courage one thing we did recently i was giving public comment at our the committee for pedestrian and traffic safety and i listed the number of 
vulnerable road users, so pedestrians and cyclists who have been killed or severely injured in the ward of every single uh, member of that committee that was on the call or not even on the call either. Um, and just listed them all off. Like, I, I, I can't remember the exact numbers. I mean, it was like 15 people or whatever, but said how many people died, how many people were killed, and then how many people were severely injured. And there were only two alders that did not have someone killed in their ward this year so far. Everyone else had at least one death and everyone had people severely injured. Um, and I think by kind of like highlighting, like the big numbers are always really hard to like, if I told you a hundred people were killed in Chicago due to traffic violence, it's like, okay, yeah, but like, how does that impact me? And by like calling out individual alders and saying like three of your constituents died this year, like th this is what your inaction is causing. It helps them kind of find that courage. <laughs> Yeah, I think like really yeah. humanizing the situation. I mean, I know that I was a cyclist for a really long time and and I didn't really do any activism outside of like I went to a couple uh I went to a couple um uh what are they called? Critical mass. I went to a couple critical masses and like stuff like that and I believed in like cycling infrastructure. But I didn't really think about it that much even though I rode every day. I rode in the snow. I had a very similar situation to Sammy where, you know, I got kind of tired of waiting for buses and stuff like that. And I would have to take taxis because this was before Uber even existed when I was in my early twenties. And, and so, you know, I, I would call taxis every now and then if it was like really snowy, but for the most part, I was always on my bike. And for some reason, I never really even thought about the infrastructure. I didn't think about bike lanes. I didn't think about any of this stuff until, you know, maybe like five years into me primarily being a cyclist and one of my friends got hit by a car and passed away. And I think that once, and then, you know, uh, a lot of the people at the time on the internet and maybe on the news and maybe certain politicians blamed it on her and said, Oh, she should have been wearing a helmet, et cetera, et cetera. Although she was wearing a helmet, but even if she wasn't like, fuck off with that. Um, yeah, so I think that really like humanizing this and telling those stories is like so incredibly important, and I think that that's like such an important part of the work y'all are doing. I, I also think that a lot more people than we realize are supportive of it. Like at the last jam that we did um, with the alderman, um, we had nothing but support. No cars honked at us at all everyone was cheering um people on the street walking down the street their kids were like waving and we were waving at them um and that's generally what we see you know we get a couple aggressive cars here and there uh, at many events but like I really think that most people want to um want to see bikes and cars separate from each other honestly like people who drive hate sharing the road with us um and so that's something we are going to start working on as well like creating messaging um for car users because we're not gonna we're not gonna win over anybody um by saying you know sell your car let's go um you know the system is not really there and it's understandable why people don't feel safe biking here um i don't always feel safe you know something happens i'm like i'm too anxious today to, to get on my bike um, and so it's totally understandable. Um, and we need to involve everyone we can uh, in this fight. So um, I think we we have more support than we know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think those I think that talking to car users is so important. Sorry, Ronnie, I didn't mean to interrupt. But 
because I, I do want to hit it home. We had this like state senator in Colorado for years who I don't remember if she said it publicly, but I know that people that like she said it at an event my brother was at. They were talking and he was talking about bike infrastructure and she was like, well, I don't really support like bike lanes and stuff because I don't like whenever bikes are on the street because I'm scared I'm going to hit them and stuff like that. So I think that that is incredibly important. What you're talking about is like changing that narrative. Yeah, I mean, we see time and time again, like, often people who are like angry at what we're doing, but they're like so close to like being on the same side. Just like what you mentioned, Josh, like, I don't want to share the street with cyclists. I don't want bike lanes. It's like, no, I mean, yes, you don't want bike lanes, but what you do want is protected bike lanes. So then you don't have to uh, like worry about cyclists, like avoiding a car parking the bike lane, swerving out into traffic and all that kind of thing. What you want is actually a bike grid. And it's like the, the folks are like so close to being like, on the same page and that's what makes the bike grid like such a no-brainer it's like such an easy simple concept to understand um and anyone can get behind it if you're like someone who uses our streets whether you're a pedestrian cyclist transit rider driver whatever um you should have a reason to support the bike grid i love it I sure support it. That sounds real good. The uh, the ways that folks can get in touch with you. I know we talked about bikegridnow.org. I think you're on pretty much all social media. At least I know Twitter and Instagram. Um, and then, yeah, I guess if you're lucky enough to live in Chicago, go find them on a Wednesday. I do have a last yeah. question. Last question. What, what bike are you guys riding? <laughs> so it's kind of funny, but I'll go first. Uh, I'm riding a Trek checkpoint sl6 yeah and i'm writing a trek checkpoint sl5 <laughs> amazing but wow. I, uh, I'm a hey i worked at a household. trek dealer for a while those are nice bikes <laughs> yeah they're it's a great bike i have two bikes i the one that i stole from my dad when i first moved back uh is also a trek it's vintage it's like 30 years old and i took it into the bike shop and they were like oh my god you bought this here 30 years ago i'm like no i'm not even 30 <laughs> i wasn't born yet um and that one i feel more comfortable locking outside in the city so i'll take that to do errands and things and then the other one uh it's more of my recreational ride thank you so much for having us uh but yeah at bike grid now on twitter instagram facebook tiktok bikegridnow.org and email is grassroots at bikegridnow.org. Awesome. This has been super fun. I really appreciate you both taking the time to talk with us and um, yeah, should be out on Thursday, which is world car free day. So enjoy it, celebrate however you will. And uh, yeah, keep in touch. Thanks y'all. Sounds good. Thank you so much. And that is it for this episode of Car Free Midwest. We're here almost every other week with interviews, topics, and documentary pieces covering all things transportation. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Car Free Midwest, or visit us at carfreemidwest.com. So subscribe now to Car Free Midwest wherever you listen to podcasts. And support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash carfreemidwest. This podcast has been produced by me, Joshua LeBure. With support from Mode Shift Omaha. ModeShiftOmaha.org. And this is our sign-off. Good day.